ESPN 94.1 FM at 930 present The Drive. Brought to you by Huntington Federal Savings Bank. Local then, local now. Never FDIC. It is Thursday, July 30th. Your drive begins now on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. I'm your host, Paul Swan. You can join this program by calling the Miller Lite phone lines at 877-420-TALK. That is 877-420-8255. Miller Lite, hold true, great taste. Only 96 calories. It is the original light beer. Joining us on the program in about 10 minutes from Pittsburgh Sports Now, Mike Oste. He will be with us to talk a little bit about the ACC's decision yesterday to go to an 11-game schedule. 10 conference games, one out-of-conference game, with the caveat that the out-of-conference game must be played in the home state of the ACC institution. So, in effect... If Marshall was to play Pitt as that one non-conference game, it would have to be in Pennsylvania or at least in Pittsburgh for that game to happen. I don't see that happening. However, we don't know what's going to happen as far as the herd schedule is concerned because today we have found out that there will be another league joining the already Big Ten and Pac-12 decision to play just conference games, and that is the SEC. So that's a big one. SEC came out with their decision, or at least it's coming out. What they're going to do is, and this started the break not that long ago, uh, I'm citing Sports Illustrated as my first source. The league will kick off the season September 26th. That is three weeks later than the scheduled Labor Day weekend start. The SEC's divisional structure is expected to remain the same. Winners of the two seven-team divisions playing in the December 19th championship game. Uh, league teams will play two more opponents from their opposite division. Now, if you're not an SEC fan, your casual SEC fan, it's still pretty simple. SEC schedule has eight conference games, six against interdivision teams, and one against a permanent team from the opposite division. Also, one against a rota- rotating team from the opposite division. So, uh, SEC is going to be adjusting the schedule there. That means no out of conference games. That means uh, no SEC ACC state rivalries. No Florida, Florida State. No Georgia, Georgia Tech. No Louisville, UK. No USC, Clemson. You're losing LSU, Texas. You're losing Tennessee, OU. Uh, You're losing MSU and NC State. You are losing some games there. So the SEC coming out. And this is the day after the ACC comes out and says, look, we're going to play a 10-game schedule, and then we're going to have that bonus game, that non-conference game. And the caveat was you can play it in state. It wasn't 100% restrictive to you have to play it at the venue of the ACC institution has to be played in-state. That opened the door, allowing some of these cross-state rivalries, well, the SEC coming out today, and saying no. And we're going to start our season a little bit later, due in part because when students come back, there'll be surges, there'll be spikes, and we have to have some flexibility to get things started. And, by the way, that means no conference games. I'm sorry, that means no out-of-conference games because – that's going to hurt the flexibility of the SEC. If you've got those games on your schedule, then you have to look at making them up or figuring out what to do. And so it's going to be interesting to see 
what the payouts are going to look like, what can be arranged. Each school, I'm sure, is going to be doing a lot of work trying to rearrange their schedule. Of course, schedules like uh, Louisville and Kentucky, you just reschedule that for next year. You can you can rearrange. But as far as your football schedule is concerned for the Thundering Herd, right now the only game that has been directly impacted, and we still haven't heard how, because we might find out tomorrow, we might find out next week, oh, no, no, that game's going to be played. It's going to be played in Pittsburgh is the Pitt game because that's the ACC game. But, again, this is a ACC schedule with 10 plus 1. I mean, the ACC might just come out after this and go, you know what, we're just going to do 10. We're, we're looking at this. We're just going to do 10. Forget that game. We're, we're going to use that date, that opening in our schedule as a sort of a, a flexibility um, game day. We're going we're gonna to open up the schedule a little bit. So we haven't heard yet from the Big 12. That's, I'm sure, coming. I'm sure that schedule will model what you've seen so far. And if that's the case, then what does that mean for West Virginia and the schedule the Mountaineers have? I mean, it's already going under some dynamic changes, and we're going to talk more about what's happening with West Virginia as the the ACC, of course, impacting West Virginia's schedule, Marshall's schedule impacted with the ACC division, the SCC probably going to send lots of waves through college athletics. We're going to get to the point where why are conferences not coming out and saying, look, we're not going to play non-conference games. Why are they not coming out? You can instead have the, we're going to play conference games. We're just going to cross the board. We're going to play conference games. So yet to hear from the Conference USA officials, yet to hear from the group of five schools, I guess right now we're just waiting to see what happens with the Big 12. Big 12 probably on the clock right now as we speak, trying to come up with what they are going to do as far as a league is concerned. Conference USA, Conference USA could come out and just say, look, we're, we're going to do conference games only. Go to a 10-game schedule. And that seems to be the number, except for the ACC, that seems to be the number, 10 games. So the American could come out. We haven't heard from the American yet, really. Could the American be waiting? The American's losing non-conference here. You could go down the list probably and see how many games are being impacted from the loss of the SEC, the loss of the ACC minus that one out-of-conference game, the loss of the Pac-12. I don't think that's going to be impacting some of these conferences as well as much. But you're, you're down to now – Trying to get what the Big 12 is going to do because the Big 10, no conference uh, games uh, or only conference games. Only conference games, Big 10. SEC, only conference games. ACC, only conference games plus one. Pac-12, only conference games. Big 12 is going to have to come out and say, okay, this is what we're doing. Or will the Big 12 take everyone's table scraps? Who knows? There's the opportunity there for that league. But we're going to turn our attention to a little bit more specifically what this means for Marshall, Pittsburgh, also what this means for West Virginia, what this means in general with the ACC from Pittsburgh Sports Live. We're going to talk to Mike Oste when we continue. Uh, We haven't talked to Mike in a while. Last time we had Mike on, it was about playoff time last year. And uh, I think Mike blames me for the uh, Penguins' horrible run. More on the way. It's The Drive, ESPN, 94.1 FM and AM 930. 
This is The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. We are presented by Huntington Federal Savings Bank. Welcome back to The Drive on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930 with the news yesterday that the ACC is going to a 10 plus 1 schedule, 10 conference games, one out of conference game. A lot of shockwaves going through the state of West Virginia as this impacts both West Virginia and Marshall. And to tell us more about maybe directly how this impacts the Mountaineers and the Thundering Herd from a standpoint of Pitt, the ACC, joining us from Pittsburgh Sports Live and all the satellite properties that Pittsburgh Sports Live has. He's also a Steelers fan, but I'm not going to hold that against him. Mike Osti joins us on the program. How are you doing, sir? Good man, how you doing? How you been? It's 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 I'm good. Um, I was hoping to get you on maybe this time to talk hockey, but uh, the ACC coming down doing this um, sort of changed that conversation. Yeah, that's now been kind of the news here in Pittsburgh. Obviously, hockey being back is big, uh, even after the Penguins' preseason loss. I mean, that obviously is a big thing, but yeah, it, it actually does provide a sense and. Your listeners may uh, roll their eyes at this, but it's very ironic for Pitt with now what's happening with COVID and the change to the schedule and the ACC scheduling, because this was going to be one of the better teams Pitt's had in a while, um, certainly defensively. And there is now a contingent and a certain argument that Pitt kind of got screwed here in terms of the schedule, because it now appears tougher than it would have been. Have you heard yet which opponent or what direction that Pitt's going to go in as far as that plus one with the SEC announcing today that it's going to a strictly conference schedule? Does that shake up the plans of the ACC or, you know, will the ACC schools just soldier on? Well, I mean, I originally kind of seen what the ACC was going to do, just a conference-only schedule. There has been some grumblings here in the last couple of days that Pitt may be able to slide in um, Ohio University as a potential out-of-conference game. I know there's a whole more of a joke, but this would be a potential nice idea for the two programs that because they have that one-game opening, that if Pitt and even West Virginia could somehow end up playing the backyard brawl earlier than scheduled to reboot things, but that's not really realistic. And then the only monkey wrench of the whole Ohio idea is what's going on with Governor Wolf in the state of Pennsylvania and him wanting to cut down on teams traveling and him not wanting the Blue Jays in Major League Baseball in Pittsburgh because of less teams traveling in. So there's also the rumors that he may try to have you know, Pitt stay within their state as much as possible outside of the, the ACC conference schedule. So I'm not sure what they could do in that regard if that restriction came to be. Um, but the Ohio rumor has has been out there. This is really, obviously, this is a gigantic mess because this is really where it's becoming very evident that as much as a lot of these major programs are involved in college football or in a whole and they're all vying for the four playoff spots, the national championship, these conferences really do operate independently of themselves. So when you have out-of-conference schedules, like, for example, West Virginia, who we also cover uh, as a newer site, WV Sports now as part of our now family of networks, 
they kind of have had their schedule kind of ruined a little bit as well with that whole game against Florida State basically being kiboshed and even losing Maryland as an opponent. And not the best of rivalries for West Virginia, but I guess they could argue that's kind of one left for them. Um, so it's just kind of changed everything. And these teams, no matter what their conference is doing, are losing games and are being impacted outside of things. And then you have with, a- with the ACC the added the added uh, little tinge of Notre Dame. Notre Dame playing the ACC schedule, even though they're not a part of the ACC. Um, and it will actually, this is kind of an aside, this will benefit the ACC in some way. Despite this being a monkey wrench scheduling, and despite maybe a team like Pitt having a harder schedule than normal and having difficulty with a plus-one game to add in, this will actually be a nice benefit for the ACC Conference and some of these other teams because Notre Dame playing that ACC schedule and basically being a part of the conference this year and having a chance at the ACC Championship this year, which is not normally the case, even if they play ACC games in their schedule, um, they will be splitting that NBC money deal, but they're still going to be on NBC, but they'd be splitting that NBC money with the rest of the conference, which is not what they do. Part of why they're not in the ACC and they're independent is to reap the full benefits of the NBC money deal. But apparently the reports are that the rest of the conference is going to see some of that money this year. So it actually may be a financial benefit for some of these schools, even though the scheduling's all out of whack. The plus here is it makes ACC football that more exciting to watch as well because that's just unheard of. Notre Dame does what Notre Dame does. And to put right. them on that schedule, you have them as a member who could win a conference championship. That is that's historic in itself right there. Yeah, and I think also <laughs> I almost try to I almost end up becoming a Notre Dame defender and I'm not really at all. But there there's always this contingent of the annoyance of Notre Dame that they're not in the conference to kind of play above themselves and then you know, people want them to have to make a decision whether or not to be in the ACC. But when you think about it, number one, I understand why they're not in the ACC, because they, they want to keep that NBC money deal, and that wouldn't exist if they eventually got into the conference full-time. And number two, when you look at this season and giving them the ACC bid, basically, which does annoy some people, I'm sure, it ends up becoming a quality game on your schedule that maybe wouldn't have been there all the time, even though Pitt does usually play Notre Dame. And it's a much better game, whether you know an in-conference or out-of-conference, than a lot of these other teams are going to be playing. So it's a quality opponent. But it could be a very weird, it could be a trivia question someday, because I would imagine that after this is all over, Notre Dame is going to want to go back to being independent and going to want to go back to getting the full NBC money deal, which I'd imagine they would win a legal battle because they have a contract for another decade. So... This could be a very, very rare conference championship if Notre Dame would win it. Um, if Notre Dame would get in this conference championship game, that would be more than historic because it may never happen again um, and hadn't prior. But then again, we'll, we'll see what happens. Clemson's had a stranglehold on the conference, and they're certainly a, a playoff viable team, so they very well may win it again. Um, but this is a team that Pitt, for example, defensively, they have a lot of players coming back, and they are poised to compete defensively. There are some thinking they actually could compete with Clemson's offense on their defense with how skilled that defense is. Question mark still around the offense, but that defense could carry them to a solid season, but it is a little bit tougher now 
how things got shook around and how there's still question marks on that extra game for Pitt. Do you see this season even happening? I know we're going through this dance right now. Some schools are getting their camps. Uh, the conferences are positioning themselves to allow flexibility for COVID-19 and what the right. health conditions look like. Are we just dancing around the inevitability of just not having a season? It's just not going to happen. Is, is that even on the table yet? Yeah, I mean, in all honesty, I hate to say that we wasted any time here in the past 10 minutes, but everything I've just said probably will be a moot point. I can't imagine how they're going to end up having this happen. You have so many players that have tested positive over the last few months on these teams, even if they're not suffering symptoms. They still have had positive tests. West Virginia, for example, is a program that has had a significant amount of positive tests over the last few months. Um, I just don't see when you have... Even though college football is a major business and there's money flying around and now they're going to let players, you know, profit off their likeness, even though they're not going to pay them a stipend. And that's a whole conversation for another day. But these are still athletes who are not yet pro. These are still amateur athletes in a sense. And I just, and a lot of them are much younger, obviously, than the pro players in those other leagues. I just don't see how, from a safety standpoint, needing to do so much travel needing to have so many players on a roster, obviously needing a training camp of some sort, how you could possibly do this, and needing the emphasis on safety even more so than the other leagues. I think it'd be a worse PR disaster for college football if they end up having to cancel midway through or you have half the team test positive like the Florida Marlins and then they're suspending games and shutting everything down and it getting all crazy than it even would be for the NFL. I, mean, I covered the NFL, covered the Steelers. The NFL is going to power through. I guarantee you the NFL is playing games. They want to do this with or without fans. They're full steam ahead. They barely even want to change the schedule at all um, to accommodate anything. I mean, they're, they're, they're going by the guidelines, but they want to play come, um, you know, hell or high water. I just don't think the college football can go under those same parameters, and I'm very skeptical that there's going to be college athletics really at all. But I'm also pretty pessimistic that there's going to be high school sports, and I keep hearing from the PIAA and all these different institutions that they're going to be, again, going full steam ahead in that regard. So I could be wrong, but I do find it very un, you know, unlikely that college football is going to be played this year, especially when they're already going to have a major asterisk on it and water it down more so than, say, the NFL. The NFL is going to play their schedule, and it'll be the same thing with playoffs. College football, as we're talking here, they're doing conference-only schedules, but then somehow they're still going to rank teams amongst themselves nationally and see who gets into a playoff. It just seems like a whole mess. I'm sure you can imagine if we're talking a few months from now or when we get ready for college football or even we're talking in December towards the tail end of college football. And there, Can you imagine the argument of teams – getting ranked in the top 10 and then vying for a playoff spot and having those top four ranked when none of these teams have even had close to playing each other or even have had common opponents. If everyone's just playing a conference schedule, which very well may happen if they do do it, I don't see how you realistically can fairly rank anybody, um, but they're going to try. But I, I'm very I'm pessimistic this is all you know, going to happen. Um, just because like, it feels like there's more difficulty and there should be more of an emphasis on safety 
with college sports than even the pros. Here's my idea. Uh, I've had different variations of this. Just take all okay. five of the power conferences, conference winner. You have to win the conference. That's okay. that's the entry. You're in. You're in. And then you take a a six team, the best team of the group of five. Let that fight begin. And then you just extend this by a week. The first top two teams get a bye, and then you you play six, four, yeah. two. Just, just, just do it that way. Be easier. Yeah, I mean, that certainly makes sense. I know that's part of a conversation the last few years, separate from COVID, to kind of make a little compromise with what's going on with UCF. And, and I've certainly been saying that UCF didn't really deserve their playoff spots those years because of the current parameters. If they had to be one of those four teams, it's hard to say they deserve it over teams that have played tougher schedules than them. But your way would allow that compromise where you would still give that team an opportunity, plus the conference champions wouldn't be penalized by having a team with an easier schedule get in. The only thing is, though, there's still going to be people who are going to complain, and there's still going to be a little bit of an argument because there is going to be a time where you're going to have the number two, even number three team in a major conference is going to claim they are better than a conference champion of another conference that they did not play. So that's, that is almost the only way you get around that is if you really expand it to probably 16 teams or something, which just certainly wouldn't happen this year. But you look at an AC, look at, look at this year, the SEC is going to think they have the toughest schedule. They usually do have the most teams ranked in the top 15, top 10. And um, can you imagine a scenario where Alabama ends up second in the conference to LSU and then Alabama's not in a 16 playoff, but you have UCF in it and they don't play any top 15 teams? That, <laughs> that's then going to be the whole conversation that way. And, of course, college football probably would secretly hate that scenario because they would lose money. They would certainly get less money by having a non-Power 5 in than even having the runner-up potential giant of another major conference. So I don't think there's any way to do this and to appease everybody and not have tons of arguing, but this year's arguments are going to have even more credence than normal because if you're just doing conference-only schedules, there's not even going to be common opponents to really compare or contrast. It, it, it almost seems like these conference championships this year, I'll say this, may mean a whole heck of a lot more than normal because it may be the only legitimate championship without an asterisk that actually is won this year. Mike Austin is joining me from Pittsburgh Sports Now, and, and you, we bring up the, the, the playoff, of course, the championship, and the bowls. There's that as right. well. That's like another elephant in the room here. That yeah. how, how are we even going to attempt to tackle that? You know, should there just be a pass on that this year? Because the whole point of bowls are to try to separate fans from their money as tourist destinations. Yeah, I actually, honestly, it's kind of weird that you bring that up because um, I've done shows in it myself. I've appeared in other shows, and this has all been discussed, and everybody's talking on social media about what to do with college sports and college football in particular. There has not legitimately been a conversation that anyone has really brought up in terms of what do you do with the Bulls. Like, say hypothetically, I'm wrong, and we actually do have a season, and even if we just play conference-only schedules, and then somehow we do a playoff, or even if they scrap the playoffs and we just play conference-only schedules, scrapping the Bulls would really be a problem because the reason why there's so many Bulls, that is a money thing. It is a tourist thing. They want people going to those locations. A lot of the schools 
legitimately have basically a 0% chance of being a national champion ever, and that's just reality. So if you take away the Bulls, there's almost literally no point of them playing. Um, is just exhibition for 12 weeks. So I, I'd imagine that would be the last resort of something that they would want to do. Um, but I don't know how you could safely legitimately play bowl games when you're probably not going to have fans there. So that would take away the tourist aspect. You, of course, could still put it on TV, but these are legitimately mostly pointless games. A lot of the time there's six and six teams playing. It seems like a lot in terms of dragging a lot of teams there, a lot of staff. I would not be shocked, and this would suck in a way, if they do college football and even if they do the playoff, that they do away with 90% of the bowls for this year. Because if you're not in a BCS-like New Year's Six Bowl, like you could still do those bowls even outside the playoff. But beyond that, it does seem like you're risking a lot of safety and spending a lot of money to not get the payoff to do the Texas Bowl or to do the, um, you know, toothbrush bowl and just like made up names. I mean, some of these bowls just are just fillers on TV. And if you're not going to get the tourist destination out of it, I don't know what the point of doing it is, although that would, I'd imagine that's something they're not going to want to answer now. Because if they would come out with an announcement that we're going to play this season, but we're not going to do the bowls outside the playoff or New Year's Six, the motivation for 90% of the players would, would certainly dissipate outside of those players that think they're still NFL draft picks. I'm surprised you didn't gravitate towards Duke's Mayo Bowl. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> there, there's so many bulls out there that it's almost, there's always those memes out there that, that run bowl season that your, your last name, um, your dog, your, your dog, or your dog's name, the street you were brought up on, that's your bowl game. Um, so. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know who wouldn't be excited to hoist up the Red Box Bowl trophy. I mean, or the uh, <laughs> <laughs> the, the, yeah. the, the Cheez It Bowl trophy. I mean, that the would be pres- Bowl, yeah. that would be a prestigious trophy to hoist up. Hey, I'm a Cheez It Bowl champion. Yeah, I would put that on my resume, Cheez It Bowl champion, and uh, I would enjoy a free supply of Cheez It for the next year or so that I would demand, um, and then get a big Cheez It trophy that I would put on the uh, the trophy case. But yeah, I, uh, some of the bowls, it, basically, for summarize, it seems like it's too much trouble for what it's worth for a lot of those bowls. Um, but it does bring up the conversation of there's people who want to move college football just to the spring because if we get a vaccine, then we can just go full steam ahead to a regular schedule and forget this conference issue. Problem is, if the NFL does not cooperate and move their draft then there's going to be a lot of college football players that are going to sit out because then they would get screwed out of having a chance to play in the National Football League if their college football season is ending three days before a draft or, in fact, not even over when the draft's going on. Um, And can you imagine a scenario where you're in week nine of a college football season, your team's undefeated, you're a top-five team looking at a playoff, um, you're, you're competing with a bunch of other undefeated teams potentially, and all of a sudden, your star quarterback says, I'm done for the season because I want to be able to be drafted by the NFL and not have them worry that I'm going to get hurt in games that are played after they draft me. Because once you draft a player, you can't play in college football. So, so it's, just, it's just a mess. 
Joining us on the program from Pittsburgh Sports Now, Mike Osti. He, uh, of course, uh, covers a lot, not just Pittsburgh, not just the ACC, not just the Mountaineers. Of course, there's the Pirates. There are the Steelers. There are the Penguins. You've got it all on the family of Pittsburgh Sports yeah. Now and all the satellite websites you've got going. You've got to be enjoying at least uh, the last few weeks because we've got the NBA. Uh, we have the NHL. We've got Major League Baseball, so much going on right now. Unlike the last four months prior, we finally have something. Yeah, it's very, very nice. Yeah, I mean, I, we, were, we were doing trivia shows and trying to make up things to basically throw on our our channel. And it's it kind of just throwing darts at the wall to try to you know keep subscribers and sponsors. So it is nice to actually have legit game content. Um, and give what we normally were saying we were going to provide. And then just as a viewer, it's nice to have sports back and have something to watch and be entertained by and just have a release from it all. Um, you know, there's also a part of me that feels like maybe we shouldn't be doing this, but uh, professionally it's better. And also I do think it's providing a little sense of a little sense of release from the extra stresses of the way the world is today. But yeah, we pretty much cover it all. We don't really cover the NBA, even though I'm a major NBA fan. But yeah, that's popping back uh, this weekend. The Stanley Cup playoffs are going to be, you know, going on soon. That's coming up this weekend as well as they're finally getting into things. Major League Baseball is back. We are doing post game shows after Pirate games, even though it appears that uh, they might be kicking that rebuilding phase in uh, a, little, <laughs> a little earlier than normal into this season here. It's been a rough sweat in the first week and a half. Um, so we'll see. But I heard somebody say this, and this is true. Being mad about sports is better than not having sports at all. So it, it is nice to be able to criticize sports rather than not have it at all. Look, two and four is not bad. Two and four is not bad. It's not bad. No, it's, it's, it's a start. It's a three to nothing, you know, no runs, one hit, one error outing, and the Cubs coming up. But it could be much worse. Um They've already provided the, the rain delay extra inning loss that they're normally accustomed to providing throughout seasons. That's already happened once. Um, but there's a lot of concerns, so we'll, we'll see how it goes. But they're doing it, and they're doing it without fans, although that's a sport that has done it without fans and has already had a team have to suspend operations, had to have other teams change the schedule. It feels like Major League Baseball could be shut down at any moment if you have any other teams have the issues the Marlins have. And you can't um, really play college football in a bubble like they're doing with the NBA and NHL. I don't see how that is. And the shame about college football, unlike the other leagues, it's so much a fan-driven experience that going to games is a big, important deal. Even people who don't like sports can enjoy going to a college football game. If you can't have that, it really does take away. (laughs) Are you liking at least what they're doing with the um, NHL? I think the presentation for what it is has been pretty good uh, without the fans. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's been interesting. I, I definitely don't think it was, much was taken away outside of obviously not seeing the fans in the stands. But like on the Penguins broadcast on AT&T the other day, you had them in a studio. They could still kind of see you know, It didn't appear that from a broadcast standpoint, and I've called games, it didn't sound like that it was different. Um, even though they weren't there. So they were still calling the game the same way. And the only difference is going to be the only real impact is about the bubble and the fact that there won't be any home ice advantage 
but they are still trying to make it as much of an advantage as possible in terms of providing the last change, last line change for the teams that would have been home and that are the higher seeds. So that will still be a help. That is still a tactical strategy part of the game that those teams will have, but they're not going to have the Saints actually there. I mean, not having the Saints there is just going to suck. I mean, it's going to be weird having the Stanley Cup presented, someone lift it without fans there. That's usually a major experience that the fans are involved in, whether it be the home team or the visiting team that wins. Um, I mean, there's even images of, you know, back when the Penguins won in 2009, they, they beat Detroit after losing to Detroit the year before, and you saw a lot of Red Wing fans, they won that in Detroit, taking video of Crosby winning his first cup, even though their team just lost. Like, you're gonna, you're not going to have those moments that you normally do have. Um, or even the Blues last year bringing somebody down in, in a wheelchair that they kind of were playing for throughout that whole season, that wonderful story. Those things aren't going to happen. You're not going to invite anybody else down there. Uh, I'm not even sure if they can do the cup pass because that's, that's a COVID disaster with everyone's hands all over that. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, yeah, that's a that's yeah, a damn I'm, good point. Quite frankly, I'm not sure how they can pass that thing around because you can't have the hell of a captain after playing for three hours. You got to, you know, wash his hands before he's passing this off. I, that I don't know how that's going to work. Um, or the players are going to hate it if they're going to have some COVID officer administering <laughs> administering some. Uh, you know, soap or something to everybody before they get the cup. I don't know how. It's going to be in shrink wrap. You're not going to be able to actually touch. It's going to be in protective shrink wrap. And Maybe you're... that's actually the way to do it. Put it, put the cup into something where you can pass around without having to, to stop for uh, for lotion. So I don't know how. Um, it's going to look a little different. I think the NHL, the only thing they did wrong, and they were kind of progressive in this, so i got to give them that. The only thing they really did wrong was, for me, they unnecessarily confused the draft. Um, I, it's like, for example, if the Penguins would lose to Montreal, they actually would have a chance at the number one overall pick, which is nice for the Penguins to rebuild after towards the end of Crosby Malkin, but it's legitimately unfair. I mean, they, they, some of these teams, the Capitals, Penguins, for example, they had the playoffs locked up a long time ago. Um, they may have had down years from years past, but if you're a top five or six seed, you were not going to drop likely out of the playoffs. Certainly the top five weren't with the big point lead that they had. So I would have rather seen, okay, if you're a seven or eight seed and you lose the first round, maybe then you should still be in the NFL, the NHL draft lottery. But throwing in the top seeds into a draft lottery that the worst teams have already done a lottery and aren't going to be having a chance at their overall pick, that is <laughs> a, little, a little bit much. Um because those teams will be a major upset if they would lose. And, for example, the Penguins, I would imagine, should have a relatively easy time with Montreal. It's a stable matchup. Um, and unless the Penguins' goaltending collapses, they should win that series. I hope so. But if they don't, they do have to hang their hat on being back in the lottery. Yeah, I'm not a Montreal fan, so anytime the Canadians are playing against anyone, I'm I'm rooting for that team, even the Penguins. <laughs> even <laughs> yeah, the Penguins. Yeah, well, it's been... <laughs> Been a while, 93, the last Montreal, uh, Montreal Stanley Cup. This is interesting, though. You're going to have the Stanley Cup lifted in Canada. Um, that's not normally the case. <laughs> um, so it will be lifted in Canada, and there have been some American teams that have lifted it in Canada as a road team. Canada has not won a cup, and no Canadian franchise since 1993 with Montreal. But whether it's a Canadian team or not, you're going to have the cup lifted 
in Canada, in a Canadian city this year. So Canada is going to get to see it, at least on their TV set, even though not in the arena. Um, but I think certain leagues have done the best they could do. It does appear that if you don't bubble things, you're going to have the risk of a virus being spread. So kind of harkens back to I don't see how college football happens because I don't see how a bubble is possible. And we'll see if Major League Baseball can get through their season. Joining me on the program from Pittsburgh Sports Live. Check it out. All the good stuff on Pittsburgh Sports Live. Mike Austin joining us. And before we let you go, uh, the one thing I'm hoping the NHL does, I hope you agree with me, uh, when we get to that Stanley Cup presentation, when the commissioner yeah. comes out and awards the cup, uh, will someone in the sound room have the, the, I guess, heads up, hit the boo button when <laughs> the commissioner's out there? Just boo him the entire yeah, time. Well, they keep talking about they want the presentation to be as realistic as possible. So if you want a realistic presentation, you got to do that because um, it doesn't matter where you are, big or small market, historic franchise, or a new one. They all love the boo Gary Batman. So we'll see. Um, that does seem like that should be a requirement. It may actually be the first time that it was presented and the cops passed around where Gary Batman's cheered because they're probably realistically going to pump in cheers. But that's not normally the case. No, so that would be fake noise. Yeah, that's completely <laughs> fake. Mike, good talking to you. Let's do this again. And hopefully, unlike last year, I don't jinx the Penguins for you because uh, I don't think you want to come back on the program after I jinxed the Penguins when we spoke last. Yeah, I do recall that last year. Yeah, that, that did occur. Um, we'll see. The Penguins actually also have the added benefit that COVID oddly, oddly helped them. You got Jake Gensel and a few guys healthy that would not have been a part of a playoffs if they already were finished and happened two months ago. Um, so they have a benefit, actually, of a better team than they would have had if the playoffs were in May and June like normal. Um, so that's interesting, and I'm sure that's going to you know ignite some fans to argue about that. But either way, sports are here. Uh, it's better than sports not being here. But, yeah, hit me up. Uh, let me know. Definitely uh, come back on if you need me. I appreciate you, sir. Thank you, and don't forget everyone else who's tuned in. Pittsburgh Sports Now, that's the place to go for you guys. You've got the Mountaineers, you've got uh, all the Pittsburgh area teams, uh, and it's a um, subscription. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably the best, what? What are you guys charging now? Uh, $50 a year? What are you guys charging? <laughs> it depends on different membership. There's different levels of all the different sites. Um, there's even some that are as cheap as under 10 bucks. Um so there's all different levels. There's, there's a whole diehard thing where you can pay for the year. But nothing's that crazy expensive. And the YouTube channel, Pittsburgh Sports Live, on YouTube actually is free to subscribe right now. So I would definitely go over there, click the subscribe bell, and uh, there's no charge for that YouTube channel right now. So get it while you can. <laughs> Mike Osti joining us, Pittsburgh Sports Now. Thank you, sir. We'll do it again soon. All right. All right, bye. Quick timeout. We'll come back. We'll continue on with today's edition of Drive here on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Don't worry. Paul Swan has the wheel on the Drive, ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Presented by Huntington Federal Savings Bank, welcome back to the Thursday, July 30th edition of the Drive on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. I'm your host, Paul Swan. We've got a lot of basketball action to start talking about over the next few days and weeks as the NBA getting back into action officially. We've got that action for you coming up tonight. Yeah, we've got basketball for you coming up tonight. The Lakers and the Clippers. That is happening. We'll have it for you. 8.30 coming up tonight right here on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. It's um, it's kind of nice that 
the Pirates are taking the day off, and we've got the start of basketball. So uh, we can start watching that. Of course, there's hockey action. I'm going to be watching a little bit of that as well. Uh, the um, Clippers and Lakers are going to be on TNT. Coming up at about 6.30 also on TNT, it's going to be uh, Utah at New Orleans. So a little early basketball action for you. Uh, for me, I might flip over tonight and watch a little bit of Boston versus Columbus on the NHL Network. Also, Vegas and Arizona, these are the tune-up games, exhibition games, whatever you want to call them. Uh, the NHL ramping up by giving every team one game. And I like how they've done it. They've paired up as best they could sort of the teams that have the most rivalry um, connection. Like yesterday, I was watching the Rangers and the Islanders, and I'm a Rangers fan, and it was a fun game to watch. They're trying to pair up the teams. Yeah, the other day they had Calgary and Edmonton. That was a good series. To, well, okay, maybe not for one of the teams, but it was a good. High seeds have been winning for the most part in this thing. Don't know if that's going to change. The high seeds will be playing lower seeds in the qualifier, and the top four seeds will be playing for seeding. So all that begins August 1st. Hockey is back. Basketball is back as well. And we'll have as much of that as we possibly can fit on the radio with the Pirates. Hopefully they will start winning some games. Again, they're, they're two and four. It's not, it's not over yet. It's a, young, it's a young season. And if baseball can actually pull the rest of the season off and not have to cancel it, we're going to have plenty of basketball for you and baseball and hockey as well. And, of course, the SEC with the big story today, the SEC to play 10 games, all conference, and the football schedule will begin on September 26th. So early games have been pushed back. I'm sure we'll get an interesting uh, reschedule. That means if you're a U.K. fan, no game against Louisville this year. Yesterday, the ACC announcing a conference schedule with a plus one allowing for a out-of-conference opponent with the stipulation that the out-of-conference opponent must be played in the state of the ACC institution. So that opened the door for Kentucky and Louisville if those two conferences could have got together and worked this out. But instead, the SEC deciding to push football back, also taking out the non-conference games to allow for greater flexibility and to allow for any possibility of having to change the schedule here. So that's what's going to happen. What this all means for the rest of the conferences, we don't know. The Big 12, I'm sure they're going to come out with their what they're planning on doing soon. They canceled their virtual media day. So that's been canceled. I'm sure they're going to have something come out soon. Then you're just going to have the rest of the Power 5 um, recipients, the group of five, probably have to figure out what they're doing because usually most of these out-of-conference games are Power 5 schools playing host to group of five schools. You've got some out-of-conference games that are Power 5 versus Power 5. Those are great matchups. But the MAC, for example, the MAC got hit hard with the Big Ten cutting out games. What's this going to mean across the board? Are we going to see Conference USA come out and say, look, we're going to go to a conference-only schedule as well? Just yesterday, when Grant Trailer uh, featured uh, his story about the ACC change, and he had reached out to Marshall Athletic Director Mike Hamrick, uh, Mr. Hamrick indicated that he still was um, hoping for a 12-game schedule. 
that could change. Or maybe the group of five schools decide, look, we're gonna we're gonna see what we we can do here. Or more than likely, again, none of this is uh, set in stone right now. There could be just this decision to eliminate the non-conference schedule or to push back. Or maybe what's happening here is some of these conferences are waiting to see what the other leagues are doing. So if, if Conference USA is waiting, is there then some stipulation where there has to be some monies paid or will each conference, each institution work deals out, extending deals, rearranging deals? Because again, I don't see I don't see Boise State coming to Jones C. Edwards Stadium this year. I don't see it happening. It could happen. I just don't know if it can happen, if it will happen. There's still the possibility though. But what that leaves you is you're waiting to see what the American does and if you can play that game against East Carolina. And that game could be in serious jeopardy because it's so early in the schedule. It's week zero. It's before the usual regular season start of college football. So that game could be in jeopardy. It could be in serious jeopardy. And then you lose the pit game. And then the only game you have left, it could be out of conference, Ohio, because Boise State, might not be coming. There's nothing to indicate that they have decided not to come. It's all speculation at this point, but speculation nonetheless. You're already potentially down one game with the edict that all non-conference games played by ACC institutions must be played in said institution's home state, which was to allow a lot of SEC-ACC matchups. Unfortunately for the ACC, those plans got wrecked today with the SEC announcing. It's sort of like the SEC decided we're just going to push it back to the furthest most date we possibly can, and so we're going to jettison the entire non-conference slate and get to the point where maybe we can get this season going, pushing it back a few weeks, allow some flexibility, possibly, but I just don't know how you're going to do this. Because, again, college athletics, it's completely different than college. It's just not the pros. College is not the pros. The NFL, they're going to do whatever they need to do as an organization, as an institution, whatever. The NFL, it has money. It has resources. The NHL has money and resources. The NBA, money and resources. Major League Baseball, money and resources. And even then, you see Major League Baseball not exactly getting it right the first time. Didn't stick the landing all the way with potential suspension of games. You've got games already suspended. You're going to probably have to reschedule. You're allowing for more flexibility. So there's so many questions still up in the air about this. But only thing we know today is the SEC has decided to go in-house all games and football this year will be conference only. That's going to do it for this edition. I want to thank my guest from Pittsburgh Sports Now, Mike Oste. Good talking to him again. 
Don't forget, we have got basketball action for you tonight. The Los Angeles Clippers taking on the Los Angeles Lakers. That is a 9 o'clock tip. We go on the air at 8.30. You can listen to that right here on ESPN, 94.1 FM and AM 930, and on our sister station, Cat Sports, 93.3 and 1340. For our producer, Spencer Dupuis, I'm Paul Swan. Thanks for tuning in. Back tomorrow, we'll do it all over again right here on ESPN, 94.1 FM and AM 930. WRBC Huntington, W227BS Huntington, your flagship home of the Marshall Thundering Herd and The Drive with Paul Swan, ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930.